0: Alright, no other announcements this morning because I want to begin uh, to introduce what is going to happen for our sermon this morning. Uh, This morning we will not have a normal sermon as we are used to. Um, We just concluded preaching exegetically through the book of Exodus and we are about to begin our exegetical study of the book of Hebrews Uh, But we are going to introduce this sermon series today by beginning with a full recitation of the entire book from memory. Uh, I first recited the entire book of Hebrews back at Covenant Fellowship 13 years ago on a Sunday morning. Uh, It was and is the only perfect sermon I have ever preached. But by God's grace, I've been able to maintain it over these years, and it seemed like an appropriate way to end Exodus, because there's so much imagery from Exodus found in this book, as you will hear, and an appropriate way to begin our study of this book. So so that's the plan this morning. But before we begin, I just want to take two minutes to talk about the idea of Bible memory. This is something that it's kind of hard to talk about at times. And I think that's because many people either don't have experience with Bible memory or not are not inclined towards it because they think that those who memorize particularly large chunks of scripture are those who just have really good memorizing ability and that it comes easily to them. Uh, But that's really not true. For some people, they can look at a text and memorize it very, very quickly. But for most of us, myself included, it's hard work. It took me well over two years to memorize Hebrews just on my commute from home to work each day back and forth. It's taken me even longer than that to memorize other books of the Bible. It's hard work, and oftentimes it's discouraging because of how much you forget and how quickly you forget and have to work to get it back. But church family, it is so worth it for your soul. And I just want to say very briefly that That as one of your pastors, I I care greatly about this area of Christian discipleship. I want to say that that as one of your pastors, I truly desire that more of us would be strengthened in our, our Christian walk in discipleship by pursuing Bible memory together. I'll just simply say, I do not think, honestly, that there's any spiritual discipline that can strengthen and encourage your relationship with Jesus more than scripture memory. Scripture memory will strengthen every other area of life and relationship with Christ, including your prayer life and basic Bible reading and even fellowship. Uh, For centuries, Christians did not have their own version of the Bible and so they had to memorize it and in memorizing it sunk deeply into their souls and it strengthened their walk with Christ in so many ways. And I actually think it is the lack of the need because we all have 15 versions of the Bible available to us at any time. I think it's the lack of Bible memory that has led to much weakness and discouragement in the church. I think we're hungry for more. I think we desire more of him and our daily devotion times are good but not necessarily giving us what we truly need. God's word needs to go deep into our souls even as we see the psalmist say in Psalm 119 as he meditates and and dwells on and memorizes God's word. I I truly believe uh, that this is an invaluable means of grace for our souls and I would encourage and exhort you to consider it this coming year. I have often said if I was to ever write a book, I would write a book on prayer and fasting and on Bible memory. But thankfully, I don't need to do that because I'm not a good writer, but also because I just found this little book written by a man named Andrew Davis. Uh, It is called How to Memorize Scripture for Life from One Verse to Entire Books, and it is an excellent resource. I think it captures everything that I would say on the subject. And so we're not going to give this away today. Uh, We're giving those journals away, so make sure to grab one of those. But if you are interested in this, if the Lord stirs your heart towards this, just shoot me a text this afternoon or this week, and I will order one of these for you and get it to you as soon as I can. Let me encourage just all of us to, to pray about this and to consider how God might want to grow us in it. Can I, can I pray for us in this very briefly? Father, we thank you for your word that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Our souls need it so very much. And so I pray, God, that you would do a good work in us of, of stirring our affections for it and our desire for more of it so that we might pursue it in many different ways for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, this is the letter to the Hebrews, and it begins in this way. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, lead the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you Are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Therefore, It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Spirit distributed according to his will. Now it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was indeed fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist and bringing men, many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them Brothers saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our original confidence and are boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as, as on the day of rebellion, on the day of Rebellion in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold fast our confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked with 40 years, but with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands... For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, enter with confidence to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. To offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward because he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he's obligated to offer sacrifice first for his own sins and then for those of the people. And no one takes his honor for himself, but only when called by God just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted of the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was, to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And and those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man, who does not have his descent from them, receives tithes and blessed him who had the promises. It's beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, What further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there's necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe from which Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek who has become a priest, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. On the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. "...and it is not without an oath. For the former priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever." This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The the former priests, they were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he ever lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which comes later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their minds and write them on their hearts, and they shall be my people and I shall be their God. And they shall not teach, each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now even the first covenant... "...had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness, for a tent was prepared. The first section, in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence, it is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold." in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of of these things. We cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties. But into the second, only the high priest goes and he but once a year but deal only with food and drink and various washings and regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places not by the means of the blood of bulls and goats, but by means of his own blood, thus securing for us an eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the the sprinkling of a defiled person with the ashes from a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved... The death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death since it's not enforced as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of bulls and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered into holy places not made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it's appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having appeared once to bear the sins of Melanie, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. He says, I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of hope, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, There no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant and has outraged the Spirit of grace by whom you are sanctified? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, and the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith, By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the promise. For he was looking to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in the world. For if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham offered up his son Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to speak of Gideon and Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women, received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Some were flocked and mocked and even chained and imprisoned. They were stoned. They were killed. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world is not worthy, wandering in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had prepared something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was beset before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we might share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. Therefore... This phrase, yet once more, it indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, the things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my shepherd, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. For we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, for we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I I urge you the more earnestly to do this, that I might be reconciled to you the sooner. I appeal to you brothers, bear with my word of exhortation for I have written to you briefly. You should know that Timothy, our brother, has been released with whom I shall see you soon if he comes. Greet all the leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy, send their greeting. Grace be with all of you. Amen. Let's pray.